0: Yo guys, welcome in to Rover Sports, the podcast. We are live here on what is Wednesday night, and I'm going to say it right here, the date is February 27th, and I know that a lot of people are going to think that this is hyperbole, that this is just for the sake of the podcast. I believe that the Philadelphia 76ers are not going to win a first-round series that Brett Brown and or Joel Embiid will be traded, and the overall process as we know it will turn out to be a failure. Because when you make your fan base sit through four years of tanking with Sam Hinkie, it's just unethical. And even though it brought the Sixers Ben Simmons, the way that it was done with tanking, uh, when you purposefully are losing games, it's just inauthentic to a fan base. It kind They didn't even enjoy the tanking period, like you didn't even have fun players. You were purposefully losing. And that is not moral to purposefully go out there and, and lose games. And it does develop terrible habits. However, Colangelo, uh, th- there were just so many th- there were mistakes along the way with with the tanking, and maybe it's just terrible karma. Maybe the process is just karma. Because there has been a lot of bad luck associated with the 76ers combined with some awful front office decisions combined with keeping Brett Brown, who is not good enough. And when you tank, there is pressure when you tank. Because in 2012, when you had Drew Holiday, Evan Turner, Lavoie Allen, and guys that were busting their ass every single night, even when they would lose to the Celtics that team still made you pretty proud to be a fan. But when you go through years of suffering, your fan base then becomes impatient where then a championship is pretty much the only thing that could equal maybe the pain of the four years of just completely being irrelevant. I mean, you go down in March and February and sometimes the only redeeming quality is that the team is so awful that... You can laugh about it, or you could get really cheap tickets or the parking if you're going to a concert at the neighboring, you know, whatever. I guess that doesn't make sense because there's only one indoor venue, but you get my point. It was a ghost town during the tanking period, and it's a mockery that a lot of people made of the league, of the Sixers. And it put the fan base, I mean, you just had four years where you might as well not even show up to to watch any basketball. There were no stars. There was no effort uh, being made uh, by any of the players. Uh, there was effort, but there was no effort by the ownership to actually give you entertainment, to give you heart. There wasn't even, you didn't even try to like make a playoff push and I understood the tanking because I understood getting great pieces in the draft. And that's what the Sixers did. But in the same way, um, four years of the tanking process was just too long. And, and now it, it, it just, honestly, I mean, you got Ben Simmons, you got Embiid out of the package. You had Jimmy Butler. So they did have an opportunity last year to salvage the tanking era. And I wasn't the, the most anti-tanking guy because I did see the argument that you do need stars and you do need LeBron James and you look at Denver and Utah and, and, and the Indiana Pacers are a perfect example. They win a couple playoff series, but then they go, um, they go into the playoffs and then they, they run up against LeBron, who's the best player uh, of our generation here for 20 years that's pretty much unequivocal I I think you know just his even this year LeBron James is just so damn good um in every respect on the floor he wins so much he he boosts his teammates but yeah so when when you're in Indiana and you have Paul George and Lance Stevenson and and you're going up against a LeBron you're always going to lose right and and that's the thing. And and when you're Denver, and even when you have Dame Lillard, who's great, and, and CJ McCollum, when you run up against Golden State, you're going to lose. So you kind of had to come up with the stacked team. And that's what anti-parody does with NBA basketball. It's not like you can have a pitching staff get really hot. It's not like you can play football and have your defensive line heat up, and it's not like Derrick Henry can come out and be a juggernaut and just, just totally just take over portions of playoff games in epic ways and beat really superior teams. That's not how playoff series work. You have to win four times, so it, it, it isn't a fluke. It, it is not a fluke, and winning on the road and winning against NBA refs is brutal. It's brutal. So now let's kind of go back. I don't really feel like analyzing how Colin Sexton was coming off of screens and burying jumpers. I don't really feel like analyzing Tobias's 11 or Josh Richardson's performance tonight. I want to look at the overview of this team because the fact is about this team, or it isn't a fact yet, but the thing is about the Philadelphia 76ers is that. Currently, right now, they are sitting fifth in the Eastern Conference, I believe, at 36 and like 22. The Heat have fallen off a cliff as well, and Tyler Hero's foot injury has derailed them because Tyler Hero in the fourth quarter is nails, and he gives them an extra dimension. And they were overachieving with their roster early. But Jason Tatum is now a next-level player. He's turning into a next-level player. He's having an incredible February. He could be a nomination for first-team All-NBA if he keeps balling and balling like he has. Uh, The Celtics, I just love how they built their team. And they have Hayward. They have scorers. Tice is improving. Brad Stevens. Kyrie Irving was nothing but a distraction for Boston specifically. And now Kemba is there. Uh, you even have g- good draft picks that, that Boston uh, has, has made uh, with Edwards and Grant Williams that can play in, in the league right now. So the Celtics are pretty good. Raptors are good. Bucks are a juggernaut. Always regular season juggernauts. A couple of games away from championship material, even though they have Budenholzer, who is the current Andy Reid of NBA basketball coaches. You look at the Sixers now, though, Embiid now got hurt again, so his shoulder was messed up. I don't know his status. It will come out later tonight. Sixers now have a home game against the Knicks. Anybody can beat the Knicks. A freaking D2 team could beat that team. Then they are going to go. They're then going to go out to Golden State. Or no, excuse me. They got the Clippers and the Lakers. They are going to get hammered there. And if Embiid if is is playing or if he's not, you're not winning that game anyway. I mean, the Clippers and the Lakers, the, the Clippers are motivated and the Lakers will be motivated to avenge the loss in Philly. Both of those teams will. They'll hammer you by like 30 points. So everybody will be even more melancholy next week. Right now, I think Sixers fans are a little melancholy, but I, but next week, that, that'll be an all-time low. Then they go up to Sacramento and Golden State, and now Golden State gets Steph Curry back. They added Dragon Bender, who I know that's kind of a joke because, you know, the dragon. I'm still waiting for Dragon Bender to start hitting threes. But you have Andrew Wiggins, and now Steph Curry will be back. The Warriors... Even in San Fran at the Chase Center, I still think the Sixers are losing. I mean, they lost to the Cavs tonight and now with a Curry Warriors team. And the Kings, I mean, the Kings have won three straight games. They beat Golden State, they beat Memphis, and they had an impressive road win against the Clippers. So the Kings are making a surge for that eighth seed in the West, okay? The the Kings, and by the way, the Sixers always have trouble in in Sacramento under Brett Brown. So the Kings are going to come out and they're going to beat the Sixers. So then you're going to lose like maybe six straight games. You're then going to plummet below Indiana and the Heat right into the sixth seed in the conference. You're then going to be at six fighting back, and you don't know when Embiid is going to be back. And Simmons, for all we know, this injury, he could be out the entire year because the Sixers, they still want to give fans hope. You know, you look at the playoff tickets and... Honestly, I don't know what's going on with the medical staff, but but it could be that Simmons is out for the year. It's possible this this back injury. You fear for the worst with the medical staff and with Andrew Bynum and that debacle. You know, with with, with Okafor, with Nerlens, with Embiid. Remember the one year he played against the Rockets and looked all world, and then they shut him down the rest of the season. Um that's the Sixers' medical staff. They, they played Embiid, and they got fans to buy tickets for the second half of the year. That's just kind of what happened. So I think it's possible Ben Simmons is out the entire season. And if that's the case, even if Embiid comes back, I mean, you don't have a point guard. You're starting Owl, Nato, uh, Tobias, and, and Richardson. You don't have enough firepower uh, to win. And then you, look at, you then look at um, Al Horford. You watch Al Horford, you look at Al Horford. And Al Horford, guys, Al Horford has been one of the worst signings that I can remember. At least Tobias Harris is averaging 19 points a game. I told you guys in the offseason that Al Horford was older. And the Sixers, I mean, you look at the Rockets and they have eliminated the center position and they are balling right now, unequivocally. They're five and one. And Westbrook in open space. You look at small ball, the deaf lineup of Golden State with Draymond Green, Steph Clay, Iguadala. Steph, Clay, Iguadala, Draymond Green, And then maybe Durant or Harrison Barnes in the starting lineup. All, you know, guards and and all forwards, pretty much, with Draymond being the pseudo center. The center position, unless you're super mobile. Um, The center position, you have to be a dominant, dominant center if you're going to play and make a great impact. And Al Horford has pretty much been relegated to a mediocre three-point shooter, a guy who is slow getting up the floor. And this has nothing to do with Al's leadership. His leadership and him intangibly, he's an awesome leader, a respected veteran by just about everybody in basketball and highly intelligent but he's not worth four more years. I mean, he looks like he's 37 right now with the way that Al Horford is playing. He's only giving you like 8 points and he's not making an impact. Okay? Hold on one second. So Okay. Now I'm now I'm good. Now I'm good. Now I'm back into to the Sixers. So Al Horford's been a failure. You look at the Josh Richardson deal. People think that you were getting back decent amount of change on the dollar, which was Jimmy Butler. Did not happen whatsoever. Jimmy Butler was the heartbeat of the Philadelphia 76ers. He was. He was the heartbeat of the 76ers and he tried during the regular season and he would hold the team together with tough love. And Miami is as good as Miami is because of Jimmy Butler and because of the leadership that Jimmy Butler provides. But let's look back at the whole era. Let's just go back and look at the entire era of the Sixers where they messed up. You got Okafor instead of Kristaps Porzingis. Now, Porzingis kind of hard to deal with. He's had some injuries, and he's been all right. He's like a B player. It's Luka Doncic carrying Mavericks currently, and Kristaps is, you know, recovering and and kind of coming in and doing fine. But that draft was actually awful overall. But you still took Jaleel Okafor, who was too slow and too small to even be a role player, to even be decent. So a horrible miss at number two. Nerland's Noel at six did not help you. Now, it was six, so it wasn't the best draft position. And at six, there are going to be a lot of misses. Usually there's about four or five guys in a draft. Even Darius Garland isn't doing that well yet, or DeAndre Hunter. So there's usually only five guys throughout the first round that are really, really good. Um. Then the Sixers, the worst mistake is not getting Jason Tatum out of Duke. The guy, 6'8", 7-foot wingspan, smooth personality, incredible worker, salt-of-the-earth kid with a competitive edge. Everything about Jason Tatum I absolutely love, and he's an alpha mentality. And even when he was struggling last year trying to incorporate too many mid-range jumpers, I still had faith in Jason Tatum. And now Tatum has taken his confidence, and he's now becoming more assertive in himself, and he's becoming an absolute rock star, okay? In that draft, you had Lonzo Ball. Um, who is a really good passer. Now his shot is pretty damn good. He would have been a perfect compliment to Ben Simmons, a great, great passer, high IQ. And his dad, LeVar Ball, I mean, his dad, LeVar Ball, hasn't said anything. So for everybody that was getting on LeVar Ball for being a pain in the ass, LeVar Ball has been nothing but fine with the Pelicans and has let Alvin Gentry and the Pelicans do their thing. So all of the LeVar Ball haters, I guess you can keep hating on LeVar Ball even though he's there for his kids, even though he gives basketball entertainment, even though he has fun with his life and debates Stephen A. Smith. I personally like the guy and and and, and his kids love him, you know, so uh, we can argue. Is he over the top sometimes? I will admit Yes. But that's what makes LeVar so fun, and what is everybody going to be perfect in sports? Lavar Ball is an entertainment factory, um, and, and Lonzo is a great kid, and it looks like all three of the kids are, are look like you know solid good kids, and that's a credit to Lavar and to the mother of the family, and it's a credit to the kids too. Um, but anyway, anyway, any anyhow, Lavar Ball or Lonzo Ball. Donovan Mitchell in that draft you take a guy in Markel Fultz then you trade Markel Fultz for James Ennis which you then which which then you get nothing pretty much for James Ennis right you you don't you then uh, you trade James Ennis away uh didn't really help and and Fultz is all right and he Foltz will be a contributor and the the thing is about Philadelphia and maybe the fan base and I don't want to get on the fan base here um because I'm a part of it but with with the whole tanking thing it's made the Philadelphia 76ers such a it's a very hostile kind of boiler room you look at wolf of wall street and in that movie there was all the pressure a boiling room uh, a boiler room which is you got to get the stocks in you got to succeed uh, it's high pressure, super competitive, a, a ultra scrutinized environment because of the tanking, because of how pissed off the fans are. And, and Northeast Philadelphia, it's tough. Inherently, they are going to expect, and it's hard-nosed, blue-collar city in basketball, right? That—that That is what Philly is. It's different than Orlando, where Fultz is now. It is different than an Indiana or a Midwestern fan base. It is. The ethos and the people are different. So the tanking has caused everybody to just the stress level with Brett Brown and Markel Foltz. Brett Brown just looks like he's just worn out on the job. He's just, he's not really enjoying the job at all. He needs to actually, maybe he's doing a bad job of disguising it. But he looks like he's under too much stress. And the fan base in Philly, I know, can get to Brett Brown. And I'm sure as an NBA basketball coach, I can't imagine the stress. I feel for Brett Brown. Now, that might seem like it's weak. Uh, Brett Brown gets paid tons of money. But it's high pressure, especially in Philadelphia and especially with dealing with the the tanking. And I think that Sixers fans do appreciate Brett for the ta- for, for dealing with the tanking. And I think that when Brett is gone, say he gets fired and another team delivers, people will look at Brett Brown kind of like Doug Collins, and they will say, you know what, Brett Brown was a solid coach, great guy, uh, got us through the process, developed Fiebel a little bit, developed Ben Simmons, and a couple of playoff years, developed the culture, and he was the bridge, but he wasn't the guy. He was the Alex Smith to a Mahomes if, if, if the Sixers get a superstar head coach to come in here, okay? But Brett Brown just doesn't look like he's enjoying... Brett Brown just doesn't look like he's enjoying basketball anymore in this town. And if it, it, he should maybe go to to Eldon Brand because just the fan base is so on Brett Brown right now. It's, it's championship or bust now. And the 76ers, so you had the mess up with Markel Fultz. So I'm kind of getting to my overarching point. And then it ends up that that now we look back on that Sunday, July whatever, 6th, when the free agency all went down, when LeBron went to the Lakers, when Kevin Durant went to Brooklyn, everything started happening on that Sunday. It all happened. We look back at that day and we see... Right now for Melton Brand is a pan is a panic job. Tobias is Harris's father, very, very intimidating guy by all accounts. Uh you listen and you listen to people and you seek information out. And there are reports that Toby's dad and again, like this is just reports, right? It's not like I'm talking to these guys directly, the GMs of his previous teams, but there's a report that his dad would wedge himself into situations and kind of force himself and kind of you know tear down bridges and relationships with his previous stops, which is Detroit, uh, the Clippers... Uh, he's just played in, I think, numerous spots, all right? He's been on teams. I don't know if he was on Orlando or not. I know he was on Detroit, then, he, then the Clips, and he worn out the welcome because the dad is a very polarizing guy. Even in high school, uh, Toby's dad, you know, would 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 he's a big voucher for his son, but at the same time can be, be annoying, get on people's nerves. And so Toby... Did, Toby's father did him a great salad, got his son an incredible max deal, but Toby's now making $40 million, $41 million. You look at this contract, and unfortunately for Toby, I really like Toby's game, and I like Toby the, the kid a lot, or Toby the player. I like him a lot, and I think he's a good player, and by the way, there are max guys that are really overpaid, so I don't think it's even the worst deal. So, but that deal is very expensive. You're not trading Toby, he's locked in. The Al Horford deal, the 28 million dollars of Al Horford really poor. You got Josh Richardson who's not an elite level shooter. Not an elite level shooter. And it was a panic job with Jimmy Butler and that whole situation. I would have looked at maybe what is going to make Jimmy stay, what what is not. And by getting Al Horford, Embiid, a Matisse Fibel who can't shoot, J.J. Reddick, there's not enough shooting. There's not enough good guard play. You need two-way players. Furcon can shoot, can't really defend. And I guess maybe it's hard to find, but Mikael Bridges was right there to be drafted. You could have got a Cameron Johnson out of North Carolina. Mikael Bridges would have been a nice stretch four. Uh, the landry shamat trade you could have offered tobias in the summer because you you lost to the raptors and and shamat is freaking good he's a great defender um not great i'm sorry that that was just a word great he's a good defender a very good shooter and just, just he is an incredible teammate, hard worker, and he's grinding for everything he's gotten, and he's become a really productive, good pro in this league, Landry Shamont, And he would have been an awesome player. He would have won games, kind of like even Furkan's won a couple. Landry would have won you games. And Landry would be a big player to have here. You could look this offseason to fix the problem because now Simmons probably out the whole year and So either Brett's gone. I would keep Ben Simmons. Ben's the centerpiece to this team. Really good point guard. And now you should just do what Houston does and you should go out and, and, and find shooters and you should trade Embiid and get back shooters. So if you trade Embiid, you trade Embiid, you're going to have to trade with max players and max spots. So I would take a Damian Lillard 4-MB trade straight up. Uh, that that would be spectacular to get Dame and Ben playing together, a perfect fit where, where Dame can even come off the ball and drain shots. Uh, Dame would be just in Philadelphia. He's, he would be so beloved. He has a no-BS attitude, and I love Dame Lillard, his attitude, and, of course, the way he shoots the basketball, the way he leads – He would be perfect for Philadelphia as well. The fan base absolutely loves, like, no BS, no drama kind of guys. He would be, like, as beloved as another smaller guard, Allen Iverson. Not as beloved as Allen, but he would be pretty damn popular in the city. And he's a possibility. If the Clippers flame out, clips flame out. Embiid for Paul George could work because Paul George, great wing defender, exactly what Ben Simmons would need. If Paul George continues to kind of be like a beta to Kawhi's alpha, um, you could look at it because the Clippers they they need a center. Um, the 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 Boston Celtics. I know that you don't want to do business with you know a rival, whatever. And Danny Ainge just fleeced you, but he has Hayward which would be okay, but I'd actually want Jalen Brown, a really good defender, solid kid. Um, I'd want Jalen Brown, and I would also maybe want like a young, like maybe Carson Edwards uh, for the Embiid package. Uh, The problem is with Embiid, he's making a ton of money, so you got to get young kids, but then you got to get a pretty good player. Uh, Are you going to trade him to OKC? I don't know if OKC is ready to win. The Miami package could be Dragic, Bam Adebayo, and Hero, and that would be perfect. Imagine Bam and imagine Tyler Hero on the Sixers would be perfect, and Tyler Hero would be at least Shamat, maybe even better. He has a better handle than Shamat, just as tall, just as versatile of an offensive player already in his rookie season. He just says again it's a logjam in Miami. So those are kind of the destination moves, but the reason I'm saying this season is over is because you're going to the Sixers are getting the 6 seed with Ben, he's getting reevaluated in two more weeks. This team is going to lose five more straight games. The season is just about over. The morale will be absolutely dead. And I'm just foreshadowing what's going to happen in two weeks. Then the Sixers are going to go, yeah, West Coast, and then they're going to play a Raptors, which is really determined, really tight. And Nick Nurse is probably the best coach in all of basketball. Straight out of Iowa, straight out of Northern Iowa. Go UNI. You look at Nick Nurse, Freddie Van Leet, Pascal becoming a superstar, Norman Powell, that team is complete. Championship DNA, 14 straight wins, professionals, tough. Rondé Hollis Jefferson from right here in Chester, PA. They got pros and they got winners on the Toronto Raptors. That's going to be a series the Sixers are going to lose. Um, then, da 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 da, da, da. numbers, yeah. And then if they play Boston with Brad Stevens again, you know how Boston series work. And with Tatum being the best player in that series, even if Embiid's there, could Fiebel lock down Jason Tatum? I mean, I I don't know. I don't think so. But then you got Kemba, Hayward. I love the Celtics offense. And again, I I, I don't. I'm really doubtful that Ben's going to be back. And the fact is now, I mean, with Ben being out, your seating goes through the window. You're going to be uh, underdogs in the first round. Whatever happens from here, I do appreciate Embiid, the way he bounced back from the Clippers game, the heart he shows, the 49 against Atlanta, and he, he is a star. And he's had a ton of he's had a ton of success here in Philadelphia, and I you know if it continues great. But I see the point in in trying to kind of change the model of the team to more of a Ben Simmons shooting team, kind of like the Rockets and kind of like the Bucks. That's how I would proceed going forward. But Embiid absolutely deserves the right. Um if you know if you don't trade him, I'm definitely gonna support him. Obviously, I support the Sixers and he is a great guy for the city. Uh and I have been a fan of Embiid. That one night when he shushed the crowd, I acted too immaturely in that moment, took too much offense to it. And um he's emotional and it wasn't a mistake. It's just a kid, you know, Embiid's like in his twenties. And some days you're going to rattle up the fan base, but it was quickly forgotten, right? And and I'm an Embiid fan. And again, with the Sixers team, like I hope that this team goes far in the playoffs and Ben comes back. And, and then we can look back at this opinion as being absurd, but guess what? Then the Sixers are then going to win series and win championships. But I'm just being honest. I just see the next two weeks as going to be devastating with this road trip. And and then I see like Brett Brown or just something. I mean, it's just it around the Sixers, it's eerie. It's it feels exhausted. It's like Jake Fromm and Jarrett Stidham in college. Some guys that are juniors in college, it feels like they've been there for five years. The fan base has seen the highs. It has also seen the lows. And the college fans even want something different. And in this world of social media and constant chatter with Embiid Simmons and Embiid Simmons, the media sometimes, not just not my show specifically, um, I think that the media has pushed this anti-Ben and anti-MB narrative, even over over the top. I don't think I've been over the top. I, I think those guys get along fine. I do. I'm not trying to spread that sort of thing, but this whole situation feels exhausted with Brett Brown coming back, winding it back another year, the process, having Embiid. I just think Embiid might want to get out. I think that, that Brett, it just needs a reboot with a new coach and probably building the team around Ben Simmons, it's probably time you do it. You take on that risk because, again, no Jimmy Butler. The Al Horford contract didn't work. There's not enough wings, not enough shooters. The defense isn't top-notch, and you're competing with a Milwaukee, and you're competing with a Celtics team that's really good. You still have Miami, still have Indiana, the top six are good in the Eastern Conference, and the stress levels of Brett Brown, the impatience of of the tanking and trust the process, it has just become exhausted and exasperated and over the top, and it's just the way it is. And Unfortunately for Brett, I just think that Brett is, I think mentally he is just tired. It's not like Billy Donovan where Billy's coasting you know it's it's not a situation Quint Snyder, Donovan, Mike Malone, those guys, Terry Stotts out in Portland. It is exhaustive Brett Brown hate. And I've I've argued Brett Brown. I've been critical on Brett. I haven't been the most aggressive fire Brett Brown guy, but all the friends and all the people that I talk to, family and friends, they want Brett gone and Brett just Brett hears that And unfortunately for Brett, like he's not that type of guy that you just have to internalize it. And I feel that he just cares so deeply about it and it's not his fault, kind of the way it is. And sometimes in a bigger city, you kind of got to have that just confidence. Like I look at Derek Jeter and Eli as two guys, Eli Manning. He's so naive and aloof to what the media says. He just doesn't care. And like what the media says, he just works and. You know, sometimes it becomes exhausting when the team's losing, but that's why it was great in New York because like, I'm going to hang out with my daughters. I'm going to hang with my friends, crack cold beers after the game. You know, Giants fans can be crazy. They love you when they're winning. When when they don't, they're passionate. They love you. They want you to win. They're always going to debate, 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 but I'm not going to be on social media and I'm not going to do that. And And that's healthy. So Eli Manning just kind of chilling. Daniel Jones, kind of same little naive way. But when you're always thinking about the media, and you're in a big city and you're always kind of analyzing your legacy and stuff that actually can just become exhaustive because the highs are incredibly high, but then the lows, when you're kind of, when you're just an outgoing guy, really outgoing, always thinking about the narrative, the lows can just become too toxic. And that's kind of what, that's kind of what's going on in Philly. It's toxic. The process is toxic. And everything associated with it. So I'm now pronouncing the Sixers. I think that it's a first-round exit for the Sixers. They are not going to win a a first-round series. I'm going to say that. And I'll hang to the opinion. And I'll laugh and I'll say I'm wrong. If I'm right, I'm probably barely going to address the point. Just going to analyze the games and everything. Um, But I'm foreshadowing it. And putting my foot down on the podcast. That's what you got to do. If you see something arising... You put your foot down, the East is too competitive, Boston's too dang good, Celtics, I think it's Boston, Uh, I think Boston can beat the Greek Freak with Tatum, Boston could be NBA champs, the Lakers look absolutely great, it's either Lakes or the Clips, I still think the Clips look awry, I still think that they have a chance, I still think it's Clippers and Boston, Boston might end up winning that finals. But it's it's pretty hard to predict. The easy prediction is just picking the Lakers in the box. That's the easy prediction. Uh, but it's a little hard. What, do you want to go easy, or do you want to be a little bit creative in this process? Pick the Bucs. But I, I love the Celtics, and I, I've been high on, on everything the Celtics have done, like getting rid of Kyrie, bringing in Kemba. Uh, Tatum Jalen Brown Hayward they, they've never tanked and and Danny Ainge like takes all this crap Brett Bra- uh, Brad Stevens people think that Danny Ainge is overrated uh, but in fact he's underrated and every t- year the team is really good and um, so it, it'd be nice actually I know you know living in Philly whatever It'd be nice to see the Celtics validated and Danny Ainge, honestly, and Brad Stevens because they're great at their jobs and it'd kind of be nice to see them be successful. I guess whatever, that takes away my credibility. But come on, I like these Celtics players. They are good kids and it's NBA basketball. All right, guys. Yeah. six place Celtics, obviously, never in against Boston, but there you go. It's NBA basketball. You want to see the best players and the best teams sort of deal. Thanks, guys, for listening. I'm out for Sixer Pod. Thank, you guys. Take care.